Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us here for another episode. Wherever in the world you're listening to us from, whatever platform you guys are listening to us on, as always, thank you guys so much for the support, the kind messages, the emails, the questions, especially that that you've sent the show's way. You've sent some really good questions about show topics and things that you want to hear. So really, really appreciate you sending that and keep that coming. Uh, one of the things I love about doing this, and you know, we're we're rapidly approaching, you know, two hundred full episodes here, is covering basketball and covering coaching at like every single angle, talking about all different sorts of aspects of the game, and I, I love being able to talk to the guests and really get into a maybe a certain niche or a certain topic, as you guys know who have listened for a while. That, that they're really passionate about or maybe a unique part of their story or their coaching journey that we could really dive into so that, you know, this show really just kind of covers everything and, and covers topics and explores things that uh, maybe others aren't able to for, for whatever reason. And I think this is a really good example of that because we're going to talk about something kind of very unique and very specific, but I'm going to talk with my guest about the conversion of reporting on basketball and seeing basketball through a journalist's eyes and, and seeing basketball that way, while also coaching as well, and how those kind of translate to each other, how what you do recovering the game can then be turned into what you do when you're an actual coach of the game, because my guest uh, has had the pl- pleasure of being able to do both. And so I'm definitely excited to kind of pick his brain and talk about what he's seen in his time reporting, how that's translated into his coaching, talk a little bit about uh, his coaching journey and what what he's got going on with that, talk a little bit about his experience about reporting, and kind of blend those worlds together. So I'm super excited to get into this really unique and really uh, fascinating topic with my guest, who of course is a, a basketball journalist in the New England area. Of course, he is a basketball coach as well. Very happy to be joined by Coach Owen Carlson today. Coach, appreciate you being able to spend some time talking to us today. How are things going? It's going all right. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Coach, let's start. I usually ask coaches about their their coaching journey and their basketball journey, but of course you have two kind of unique journeys where you have the the journalism journey, so to speak, and then of course your coaching journey as well. So let me start by asking you about what it began your interest in the journalist and journalism side of thing, and how did you get going with that? And then also, how did you get involved in the actual coaching side as well? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, we'll just start at the very beginning. I I grew up at the, at the Taft School campus um, where my dad coached basketball. I went to as many practices and games as I could. It was always something I was really interested in. Um, and uh, in high school, I went to Tampa Prep, played there um, under Coach Joe Fenlon, who uh, – one or he's the runner-up in the USA Today. I think it's like just best coach, best coach in the country vote. Oh, um, yeah. So that was that was a cool experience. Um, and I play. I got recruited to play D three. I uh, played a little bit at Rhodes College. Um, and then you know after that, um, well I, I guess also you know in in high school I've sort of studied video production it wasn't like a major but we had like a you could you could pick like a concentration so I was I've always been big into like just video editing and and stuff like that um and I actually majored in music in college um with a focus also on on the production side of things so the sort of just multimedia background that I had I combined that with my love of basketball and it sort of just became the the basketball journalism that I did um with uh, I started doing CBB New England, um, which you can find on Instagram. Um, it's basically just you know it covers the all the Division One teams in in New England, um, and just goes over like you know any when the, when was the off season I was covering all the transfers that were happening, um, and now that the season has begun, I'm doing like game recaps and stuff like that, but really just focusing on New England specifically. Um, 
And then that sort of turned into getting connected with the New England Recruiting Report, which I really cannot emphasize enough. I mean, they, they've opened up so many doors for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, working with Zach Sandberg and, and Dylan Thayer has been just an incredible opportunity. They're, they're really awesome guys, and, and they've definitely taught me a lot about just the, the world of basketball as a whole. Um, and so that has been awesome. And they've, you know, they've let me sort of grow within that organization, um, to where I've sort of become the main writer for them. Um, and now I'm doing a lot of videography stuff, uh, just creating highlight videos from our events and, and things like that. Um, and this past summer, the first like real coaching I did, I mean, I had helped out with like, you know, I did some YM, YMCA teams and stuff mm-hmm. like that when I was playing, but the first like real coaching gig I, I got was, you know, this past summer, right after graduating college, um, at path hoops in the Atlanta area. Uh, we worked with some, some really high level recruits, Peyton Marshall, CJ Brown, uh, Peyton Marshall. I think he originally committed to Auburn, but now he's committed to Missouri. Um, so that was just a, a great opportunity with coach Tyson, um, t- coach Tyson Campbell. Um, and yeah, I mean that you know I gave the longest version of the story there, but that was what pretty much led me up to this year when I began with Darrow, um, and uh, you know I'd gotten connected with Coach Asan Sen, who, you know, surprisingly during this year he accepted a position with the Detroit Pistons um, in a player development role. Um, so it's it's been crazy to see the the kinds of opportunities that are opened up especially going from, you know, directly from high school to the NBA level. It's really just unheard of to, to happen. But, um, and then, you know, as we were talking a little bit before we started here, um, I received the news recently that I was going to be laid off from my position there due to the school's financial struggles. Um, and they said, I, I think they're closing down after next school year as a whole. So, uh, yeah, I mean it's it's been a it's been a wild ride. It, you know, right after the head coach left, um, there was even a brief time where I was the only coach with the team. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. So it's yeah, it's really it's really just been wild. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's where I, we are now. I mean, yeah, so so many kind of twists and turns, and and so many people that you've met along the way, and 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 so many people uh, around the game that you've been exposed to that I'm I'm really excited to kind of pick your brain on on some of those lessons and some of those observations that you've had. I'm sure it's a, it's a really unique insight. And and what I wanted to also ask uh, before we really dive into that topic is uh, you becoming a, a reporter, and I and I wanted to ask in general terms. Um, advice that you would give to to a listener or or somebody who may be listening who may know somebody uh who may be interested in the reporting side of things and getting into the media side of basketball what what general advice would you give to somebody who may be seriously considering going down that path as as something they want to pursue no, absolutely that's a great question i would say i mean the number one thing is figure out if it's something you really love doing before you, before you try to commit and, and like invest in doing that as, as your, your job. Um, you know, the, I, I don't usually tell people about this, but even before I did the CBB New England account, I was doing like another, just more general D one basketball news page. Um, and, uh, that was just, you know, I, I never really got a lot of attention on that, but I just kept, I kept doing it. And eventually I I realized sort of like, oh, I think I'm trying to cover too much ground here. I just have to, I gotta, I gotta specialize more in, in one area, make it, make it pertain to a certain audience here because, you know, there's 361 division one teams this year. And that's just too many to, too many to wrap your brain around for anyone, even if you're committing your, your full time and energy to doing that. It's just, it's too much. So even just looking at it in like the, the 23 New England teams is it sometimes feels like a lot, but, but my point overall is just like, you know, you gotta, you gotta know that it's what you want to do, whether or not you're going to get money from doing it before you like really try to invest in doing it is, is what I would say. And then other than that, it's really just, the same as anything else, you know, making the right connections and, and just doing, doing what needs to be done. 
And I, I imagine, and, you know, I'll let you speak to that, but I just imagine in a position like, like that, uh, that that connection right those interpersonal skills to be able to you know foster those connections and i know that's like that in any job but i i imagine um in in something like the media side and the reporting side like like trust is a big deal and and being able to uh you know cultivate really strong relationships with others so that they do trust you and are willing to give you those opportunities has to be huge i imagine just being able to 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 foster those connections and be able to uh be a reliable person and 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 really be a mature individual who can handle that load of responsibility absolutely 100% it's you know it's just and i mean you said it perfectly but other than that it's really just have that same trust for for the people who are trusting you you know let them know be genuine with what you're trying to do what your goals are and and they're you know they have no reason to not try to help you if if you're doing what needs to be done for them yeah no absolutely that's a, that's a great point so let let me let me talk about your experience now as a coach and let me start by asking you how has your coaching philosophy uh been shaped by the experiences that you've had covering the game how has your kind of identity kind of been molded by by some of the things that you've seen uh on the media side I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely more in tune with the optics um, and just sort of the the surface level um, than I think a lot of people are, um, and that can also have its downsides because there's often a lot more to things than than sometimes what I originally had thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it can help in terms of just the like seeing how certain teams have done things and how that has worked and. and implementing that same strategy on the team that I'm a part of. Um, it's often something along the lines of that, that I feel like it, it's the most helpful. Um, but it's also just, you know, the connections that I've made through the media side of basketball can be really helpful on the coaching side, just getting extra attention for the guys getting, you know, a, a, a recruiting service that you know hasn't really paid attention before to, to, give you more of a look um, and just, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's an extra set of tools that you can use to help players get recruited. And so for, for you then, like you are, you, what you probably can definitely bring to, to the table that a lot of, a lot of coaches, even myself, I, I know I, I certainly couldn't is that you come into this kind of knowing what coaches are looking for right you can look work with a guy you could work with a player and coach them and, and be able to know like hey if you're able to do this if you're able to to be on this skill set or have this sort of ability on the court scouts or recruits are going to be like wanting to see that from you absolutely 100 percent. you know and helping guys um off the court you know whether it's like learning how to use their social media in a way that's going to help their recruitment especially on you know, X or Twitter or whatever we're calling it. Um, that, you know, that's hugely important. And I think, you know, I see a lot of other teams with, even with, you know, high level talent, just not putting in the work that needs to be done on the internet because it's hard to get the word out about your team when, you know, there's a gazillion other coaches trying to say that their team is the best team. So when you're when you're working with a player then about that sort of aspect, what what do you what are you what do you what are you kind of telling telling your players? What what are things that they need to be working on in regards to their social media to to be able to to stand out amongst a sea of uh, of all these other players and coaches that are out there? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the first thing is always what's on the court. As long as they're they're working their butt off and everything, then then we get to to working on the off the court stuff, but um, you know, setting up your your personal Twitter account or personal X account in a way that's gonna make you look like a desirable recruit um, is hugely important, um, and that's you know, as much as that's putting out the basketball stuff, the accomplishments that you've had, you know, your stats from a game. If your coach tweets it, it's also making sure you're not posting stuff that's going to give you a negative look from a, from a coach that's, that's interested in you and, and whatever that may be. Um, and that goes for all social media platforms. 
So that's that's one thing I'd say is is majorly important is just making sure that you know go through your own social media as if you were a college coach looking for a player. Is it is it what you think they would want to see? Because a lot of times, unless there's some involve involvement from the coaches, that's it's not the case. And I and I imagine for a, a lot of players, and I know I've talked to some some other guests about that, and I'll, I'll I'll let you speak on on this as well. For a lot of these players, the idea of having a social media profile that's like a professional one is, is probably something that a lot of them like aren't really like that used to or don't really have any experience how to have like a professional like a very adult like social media account. Uh, yeah, it's definitely true. It's a new thing for a lot of these guys. You know, there's there were a couple of guys on the Darrow team who either just didn't have an account at all or had one that they just had no experience with using or just didn't really use at all. And and just, you know, giving them that little bit of just, you know, these are the types of things you should retweet and the you know, just whatever whatever it is is gonna be helpful for the guys to know how to use that. And so you also mentioned, uh, obviously, the on the court part is is obviously has to come first. And and so now that now that you're really really working with with players firsthand, are are there certain skills or certain things that when you when you're either training with players or coaching players, whether it's team or individually, that you think are really important things to to make sure that you're emphasizing or or working on because you know like all right th these are the things that are going to separate you know one player from like maybe everybody else that's out there. No, I mean, you know, at the risk of sounding overly simplistic here, just oh, work boy. your butt off, work your butt off. That's always what it is. You know, I was at a an event in Middletown, Connecticut, um, and I was talking with a Wesleyan assistant and I, I asked him, like, what what's something that you look for? You know, even if you, you think it's something that other coaches wouldn't think of like what are the kinds of things you're you're looking out for at an event like this and mm -hmm. his response to me was literally just you know who's who's gonna work the hardest that's that's really always what it is that's what they're looking for and it's also just you know the cheap you know just giving your teammates high fives you know being positive supporting everybody else that's on your team it's it's all the it's all the basic stuff um and then when it comes to the just like purely the skills of it I would say, you know, personally, one thing that I think guys don't do enough is just individual work. You know, any chance you have to get in the gym, text one of your coaches, whoever it is, get in there and just like do what you know you need to do. 95% of the time, they already know what they need to be working on the most. It's just doing that. And and getting those reps up, you know, and just, just getting that repetition. I mean, I think it's it's just one of those things where – we as as coaches i think can can also really make sure that we're we're being available for our players you know i think that's one of the emphasis i know that me and other coaches you know on, on the staff that i'm on have, have really worked on is uh you know just that that availability right have making sure that our players know that you know we're there in the morning or we're there after, after practice for them to get work in and it's it's crazy just that little bit of time that they may spend before or after practice it's it it pays such huge dividends that i imagine for those players that are just trying to separate themselves just a little bit just you know that extra 20 30 40 minutes an hour that they can put in a gym that maybe others won't like has huge gains in the long run absolutely 100 percent. that's really all it is it's it's crazy though that, that to hear you say that, and I agree about like the idea of like uh of the the high fives and the and, and the effort and all that. But I mean, it's it's really interesting to kind of hear hear you say that because I think sometimes players don't really realize that how much uh, their body language kind of gives off or how much you know good good or bad how much their body language emits or you know the way that they make eye contact with somebody when a coach is talking to them or the way that you know like you said they give those touches or those high fives like. I I wonder if there's if players really realize how much that stuff is being noticed and and um I I feel that like the players that do like and do that stuff naturally like uh, just have so many more pathways to success than the ones who 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 aren't aware of that and whose body language maybe isn't the best all the time. No, that's that's definitely true, a hundred percent. And I think a lot of times guys aren't even aware of the way they come across, um, and that's something that has you know I, I think. 
I've I've been a little stronger with dealing mm-hmm. with just with my reporting background and and just understanding the optics of everything. Um, I try to be just very in tune with how the guys are are presenting themselves on the floor and and off the floor and and just you know making sure that we're always looking the way we should. We're always presenting ourselves the way that, that is going to be the most helpful. Yeah, I, I've I've talked to a guest who talked about how you know when they when they're recruiting players, they're recruiting them from you know the second they walk on the court to the second they leave and everything that they do in between. And and I I think it I think it makes sense too. And and again, you you definitely speak on this because there's so much film on a player that probably these coaches. I've already seen and or these recruiters are already aware of and so to to see them in person obviously they're gonna they're gonna hope to see the things that they see on film but just to like see all those intangible things in person to see what a player's doing i think are the things that that can really pop out to a coach right away definitely you're, you're definitely right so you you have a uh, a lot of experience and a lot of exposure with these high level players, you know, recruits, high level talent. That's that as you talked about players that are going to go playing collegiately at a high level. And I wanted to ask you in a general sense, um, I know you mentioned how, you know, how hard they work, but what do you, what do you see with those really high level, high skilled players that they kind of all have in common with each other? And what do you think we as coaches can make sure that we're doing to make sure that we're pushing and training our players to and holding them to the highest levels they can so that those players can reach their highest potential. Yeah, no, that that's definitely a good question. I mean, there's there's a few things that you always have to keep in mind with the guys who are like you can tell are are college mm-hmm. level guys. Um, you know, number one is just make sure you're not gonna have any issues off the court. And that I put that in just one, but that, that can be in a lot of different ways. It's making sure their grades are good, making sure they're staying out of trouble. You know, and even in the classes, it's, you know, their grades, if they're good, that that is huge. But if their teachers are supportive of them and, and enjoy having them in their classes, that's also just huge. Uh, it, it makes them a lot more marketable to the next level, because when you're playing in college, you're still going to a school, which is something that is, is hard to keep in mind with with how much basketball we think about in, in the whole process. But um, and uh Outside of that, I mean, you know, it's just making sure their head's in the right place, uh, making sure they're not going to events that aren't going to be helpful, that are just cash grabs or are not really just going to be anything that's beneficial for them. Um, and then conversely, making sure they're at anything that will help their recruitment and just trying to get them as much exposure as possible. Um, that's really all it is. And with that, as a follow up to that, how can uh, a coach who maybe, you know, isn't isn't that uh, in, tuned in with these sort of events and let's say they have a player who's looking to really, you know, go to go to some events and, and get some exposure. Uh, how, how can a listener who may not be aware of this, like be able to know, like, oh, this is uh, an event that's worthwhile versus an event, as you described, as like a cash grab? It's hard. It is it is a, a difficult task to try to sort out which is which. Um, I would say the number one thing is, you know, there's got to be someone, you know, you know, someone in your community at your school who's an old head in the game and, and just knows like who's who, like what's just something that has popped up recently that probably isn't going to stay, you know, the, the organizations that run events that last, that have been doing it for a while, those are the ones that more often than not you should be leaning towards. And the ones that have just popped up are often nothing, are often not going to be helpful for your your career, and they often just won't attract coaches to, to the events. And I imagine that there has to be, you know, tons of events popping up all the time and, and, and things that are just coming and going all the time that it's, that it's hard to keep up with. So like you said, like those ones that are, have been around year after year are probably the safe bets. Absolutely. For sure. Um, now when you're, your coaching, you've taken, you, you've also had the, the privilege of being around and seeing uh, a lot of coaches as well and seeing some of the, some of the things that, that these uh, really good coaches do. And, and what I wanted to ask you is about what, 
have you taken from the coaches that you've been around and, and seen coach, what have you taken from their coaching style or the way that they conduct their business that you try to emulate and take for, in, in, into what you do as a coach? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely an interesting question. I've seen a lot of different strategies. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely had the, the privilege of, of working with some really high level coaches. Um, Asan is probably the, the most notable since he's in the NBA now. Um, and yeah, I'm really grateful. I had the, the opportunity to work with him. He's, he definitely came out at the, um, just at the whole, at the whole thing with the, the mentality of sort of, uh, like he was an older brother kind of thing to, mm. to the players. And, um, that was, that was different from how Antonio Anderson, who came in to replace him after he left, he was more of like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to be your, your brother or anything like that. Um, and you know, it was more of a, I'm just going to push you to, to do what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and you know, there's a ton of different strategies that they've used, but each can work in their own way. And, you know, it's, it's kind of just one of those that you have to, you have to see it and, and just feel it out and make the call if that's how you would do it, or if you would do it differently, if when you're in that position and, but it's it's definitely crazy to see the the variation and strategies that can be used by different coaches for is, sure. Is, is there a is there a type of style out of those two that you think lends better better to how how your personality or coaching style is? I ask that because I know that that like big brother type thing that that is difficult for me. I don't I don't I I think I would have to. Uh, really have to work to to have that be my personality because that's just I don't think naturally how I am personality wise so I'm curious if one of those two is you think kind of more fits like how you are as a coach personality wise well I mean fits with me I guess I mean it definitely really felt like I clicked really well with Hassan when when I was working with him he I mean he brought me in and and he he you know he was texting me come work with me um and everything so i was sort of right off the bat we had that connection um but i mean you know both strategies i would say equally effective they'll have different you know different responses from the players and and different outcomes but it from what i saw they were pretty pretty equally effective um in terms of just what it brought out of the players on the floor at the time mm-hmm um, but yeah, I mean, I would say for me, I guess I, I felt like I clicked a, a little bit better with, with Hassan, but it was really, really an honor to, to work with both oh, of those guys. I mean, Antonio Anderson played with Derek Rose at Memphis and went to the final four. And, uh, he even played in the NBA for a little bit with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook at OKC and played, uh, played a lot of professional, pro- played professionally a lot in, uh, Germany, um, and Egypt and a couple other places, but, uh, yeah. And Asan, I mean, he's an NBA coach now, but he also played at Virginia for four years, um, under Tony Bennett. And so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's been incredible to, to be in the same conversation as some of these guys. And, and I just imagine, you know, when you, when you, when you're exposed to people who've either played coached or just been around, you know, so much of the game as the individuals you just meant, like, the, the the stories or the lessons that even they've learned from them that they in turn kind of pass down to you like I, I I that just sounds like invaluable like I don't think you can put a dollar amount I'm sure on some of the things that they're able to impart on you or the stories and the things that they've experienced 100 percent and uh you know I'm, I'm butchering a lot of a lot of stuff that that they've taught me but um but yeah I mean a lot of it's just what I'm absorbing from everything that I'm around and you know, I'm still getting the hang of everything myself for sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. That, that That's incredible. Um, let me ask you about the, you know, in your experience, uh, covering, covering the game of basketball and, and seeing the way that, that, that the game is played. This is, this is a question that just kind of popped out in my mind since you've been around, uh, seeing so much basketball. Um, is there a certain, style of play 
that you see that um, you, you think has has really kind of like dominated kind of like the the the, the high school landscape, uh, so to speak? Is there is there a way of playing that you've kind of seen like come up over and over again that this is like the way that, you know, basketball is, is being played and being played really well? Or do you see kind of all types of different systems and all different types of things happen and, and people kind of have success with all sorts of things? That's an interesting question. Do you mean more like on the individual level for a player or as a team? Team, team, level, as a team level. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I've seen it all, I would say. I mean, you know, like Brimmer in May this year, um, that's a NEPSAC AA team in the Boston area. They they got some really good guys. They have a player going to Texas A&M, another player going to Rutgers. Mm-hmm. They don't have really a, a true big man. Maybe you could say that they have – one of those two guys is is a big, but they definitely don't have a center. Um, and they've sort of they've played in uh, with a zone on defense that has sort of just been a way where they can just always double the big. Um, and so you know that's just one example, but it always just comes down to the personnel of the team at the time. Um, and then obviously the coaches, if if they're going to use the the pieces that they have in the in the way that's best. Um, but, you know, it's it's controversial because there's also people who say, you know, you should always play man. That's the only thing coaches care about is, is you know, how they're going to play man and everything like that. So it's, you know, that's that's a different conversation. You must have heard me talk. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, it can be, it can be argued for sure. So seeing all of that, is there, is there something that, that you think, clicks with you is there a style of play that as you're as you're kind of into this coaching world now that that you think fits what what your philosophy is and what you like to do now as a coach oh man that's tough honestly (laughs) at this point I'm I'm still just absorbing everything I I don't I don't really have anything that's like uh my system kind of thing I'm I'm really just hoping that I'll keep sort of taking pieces of, of what I'm able to see and and create something out of out of what I'm able to 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 gather so then let me ask what 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 types of systems then did you did you play in when you were playing what 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 what, what were you kind of in as a was it was it a was it a rigid system more open what what were you in, in when you were playing uh when when i played it was i guess more open yeah. um you know we we sort of it was a lot of transition so you know we didn't have to get into plays too often um but uh, you know, I played with so many different teams that I really yeah. got a, a dose of everything. You got everything, uh, huh? So, so you, you, yeah, yeah, that's it's that's cool. awesome, though. I mean, to be able to, you know, draw even on those experiences, right? Of kind of knowing what it's like to play in play in different systems, I imagine has to be really helpful because you can even just draw back on those experiences what it's like maybe to be in a more rigid, more you know, set style versus more like you said, transition or more open. It, it's stuff that you can refer back to for sure. No, definitely, yeah, hundred percent. So then, let me ask because you you did ask me to clarify on an individual level. Are there things that you see on an individual level that like you see players and you're like, oh, like that this player, like you know, all of these players that I see performing at a really high level, like they all are. Are, are they all like really good at, you know, multiple things? Are are they good at, you know, maybe one or two things, and that's good enough to be seen? Like how many different, uh types of skills for a lack of a better term do you would you say that like an individual player uh needs to be possessing right now in order to like really be playing at a at a high collegiate level that's that's a tough one um i would say the number one thing Mm -hmm. is just pure athleticism like that's the 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 easiest (laughs) way to to weed people out is just you know if, if somebody's if somebody's not a high level athlete they're not going to be able to contribute to a college program. And even, you know, we're, we're getting even down to D three now where it's like only like the top level guys are getting roster Mm -hmm. spot offers from, from D three schools. And it's, it's, it it feels like it's becoming harder and harder. The the guys that I'm seeing now going to D three schools are the same level of the guys that I remember seeing just, you know, a decade ago who would be getting division one, division two offers. Um, So it's, it's it's tough, but um, I would say yeah, athleticism is is uh, 
is the biggest thing that can just rule you out right off the bat. Yeah, I, I remember I was watching, uh, this must have been a couple of years ago even, I was watching a a juco game and i was just just blown away by the level of talent there even at the you know at the, at the juco level and i was you know talking to the coach after and they talked about how you know half of these guys like could easily be you know at at a at a d2 or, or, or d3 level but you know maybe had various other situations that you know kept them from from being able to to go to that level or as academic or otherwise but i mean you know college ball is college ball naia juco d3 d2 whatever the case may be i, I just think it's incredible just the the amount of skill that's there even like you said compared to what it was even you know 15 20 years ago 100 percent, 100 percent. you know we just saw the the D3 player of the year from from Middlebury College transferred to Sacred Heart in Connecticut. He's playing D1 now, and he's really successful already um, as, a, as a grad transfer. So it's, it's stuff that we won't be able to see that more in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely, for sure. They're four years in D3. In your experience yeah. uh, as a reporter, have you had a lot of experience uh, covering or being able to look at practices at all? Uh, sorry, can you repeat that one more time? Oh yeah, of course. Have you had the opportunity to look at like practices or, or open gyms or things of that nature in, in your experience being able to uh, be a reporter? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, I've been a part of them as well. So let me ask you about what you notice in those. What do you notice when, when looking at, you know, practices of these successful programs and being able to see what these coaches are doing? How are their, how are their practices? What does their practice structure look like and how are they run? I mean, it's tough, you know, if you're, if you're not gonna, if you're not showing that you'll be able to contribute when it comes time for the games, there's really not a lot of sympathy that's, that's going to be shown. I mean, it's a tough, it's a brutal, it's a brutal scene. Um, but, you know, that if, if you're not cut out for it, then you're not cut out for it. And that's, that's really how it goes. I mean, it's, there's really no other way to describe it. It's just, it's, you gotta, you gotta do what needs to be done. Um, if you can't show that that you can do stuff that other guys can't, and if you can't keep up with other guys, then you will get cut. And you know, in the at least in the prep basketball world, oftentimes there just won't be a spot for you at the school anymore. And, um, and, and I imagine just with your your experience seeing all this, uh, you know, it must be a cutthroat cutthroat business out there, especially that prep basketball world. Oh, hundred percent, definitely. It's it's definitely tough. What it what do you take from you know you you you've been able to obviously see, see these open gyms, you've been able to see these practices, you've been able to see these coaches in non game situations, kind of running their program and and doing their thing in these in in these type of settings. What what do you think that you might be able to kind of take from maybe what you've seen in practices or open gyms that you might feel like you want to incorporate in the in the work that you do with your players in like a practice situation? Yeah, I mean that's that's what I'm trying to do. You know, yeah. that's there's lots of there's lots of different ways that that I do that, but you know, as an assistant coach right now, there's there's not too much that I can really implement on my own, but uh you know, when it, whenever it comes to making suggestions and, and adding my input, you know, there's definitely some added perspective that I have from, from the reporting that can be helpful in that. And just, you know, building the program as a whole, making, making the Darrow basketball program into something that was recognized as, you know, being among Brewster and South Ken and some of these other powerhouse names was a lot of what I feel like I did when I was at Darrow. Um, and that was, you know, almost a hundred percent using my knowledge from the reporting side of things, from the media side of things. Um, just cause I've seen every different schools version of, you know, their open gym schedule and, mm. and what their, what their practice videos are looking like. And, and just, you know, the, the social media side of things is, is huge. Um, and that's what I've been able to really tap into on the reporting side of things. And when you're when you're talking about some of the things you could see, like from their practices, what what are, are you noticing, or were you did you notice that these practices is it a lot of 
competition based skill based a lot a, a lot of like up and down what what sort of things do you kind of see or have you seen in those practices that you're kind of like okay i know that for our program to get to this level our practices you know need to look like you know x y and z or have those elements in it i mean it really just needs to be serious you know every coach is going to have their own style they just need to implement that style in, in the best way and and if it's effective, then it works. And if it's not, then it doesn't. But I mean, other than that, you know, I've, I see a lot of skill work. There's just a yeah. lot of just, you know, individual skills that are, that are being practiced. And, and then other than that, it's really just game situations like up and down with a lot of stops and, you know, going over why we need to do something a different way. Um, really but, like game, but, game, game, like type stuff that they're doing then. Yeah. Yeah. But just a lot of stops. And, you know, it's, you'll, I remember, you know, this isn't high school, this is the college level, but we, mm -hmm. we got to see one of UMass's practices and it was really like, it couldn't go five seconds without one of the coaches saying stop. And, you know, this is, you're supposed to be here and you're supposed to do this. And um, so it's, it's uh, yeah. I mean, uh, that's, that's one thing that I've seen at a lot of the high level preps as well. It's uh, yeah, like uh, I imagine it at at a high level, and 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 I'll obviously let you elaborate on this too. Like that that attention to to those details, right? Because I, I imagine those high levels, uh, a, a lot of these players have you know skills that they're working on or skills that they're really solid at, but they may be lacking in terms of those uh, some some of those finer points of those details to kind of really separate from the other high level programs that they make. And so having to kind of like teach those nuances or teach those you know things that may seem subtle but are really important or probably really huge at, at those type of practices at that high level no for sure and the way you do everything is important you know when mm -hmm. when coaches show up to to watch an open gym and they want to see like what the vibe is like at at the at the school and and with that program um because if it's not a vibe that they think would fit well with what they have going then it's it's going to make it harder for them to recruit that player. Um, if it's not, if it doesn't seem like it's a serious vibe, then it's just not, it's not going to be beneficial for the player. And so then uh, on that turn, then it sounds like it's really important for, you know, us as coaches, you know, to make sure that we're having those practices and, and treating these things like really seriously, because uh, I, I think, as you mentioned, a, a coach doesn't want to, uh, be trying to recruit a player and think, oh, they've never really had like a a really serious, really hard practice before, and I maybe I don't want to take a chance on that player because I don't know how they're going to respond to that because they've never been exposed to that at the high school level. And then when that happens, we as coaches are kind of doing our players a disservice because we may we may just take them out of the running of being recruited just because uh, the practices aren't at a level that that are acceptable to those coaches. Hundred percent. 100% and you know that's 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 a tough one right yeah. there because if if you're if you're in a situation where that's happening it's you know I mean I would I guess I would never really put it on the player to make that call for themselves whether or not they feel like they're they're getting the right type of they're they're in the right environment or not but at least when they're at the high school level but you know some some programs just don't have what's what's necessary for at least the highest level guys and it's if 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 you're a high level guy you gotta go to a different spot well i'm, I'm sure you've covered a lot of that before right of players re re recruiting and transferring or players you know at the high school level at the prep level like moving to different spots i, I don't know what the transfer situation is like over there but i know here where I am in Arizona, I know I know it's happening all the time where, where there's players going in and out and transferring or being actively recruited at the high school level. I, I imagine it must be happening all over the country. Oh, definitely. A hundred percent. And it's it's real tough in the NEPSAC with, with all the rules they have in the, in the NEPSAC. But um yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of transferring. And uh, you know, for example, one of the rules they have is after the season has started or after the school year has started, a NEPSAC coach cannot talk to any player from another NEPSAC school. Hmm. Um, but other than that, you know, it's, it's free game. So there's, there's NEPSAC coaches reaching out all the time to different public schools, Catholic schools, and, and trying to, trying to get players and, 
it's it can be ugly sometimes for sure yeah and 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 because you have so much familiarity with that uh is there any advice that you would give to a coach about like being worried that you know their players are being recruited away from them or you know that that players are going to feel pressure to recruit from there is there is there really anything you think a coach can do or is it just sort of like hey this is just kind of the nature of the business these days that's a tough one. Honestly, I'm still trying to figure out the, the best answer to that myself, but you know, I, I would, you know, I, I tried to frame it as when I talked to the the players that we would recruit at Darrow. Um, uh, there were a couple of times where I would try to talk to their high school coaches and, you know, frame the prep school option as an alternative to college rather than an alternative to they're you know just the high school that that the coach is at um but it's you know in my experience at least that did not seem to be successful so it's uh it's really just the way it is i guess at this point because when every every other every team that you're competing with is is doing it one way and it's working for them it's it's tough to not do it that same way yeah, I I know at least at the at the high school level, you know where where I'm at, I know that you know I've had these discussions with other coaches, and it's kind of uh, the the consensus has just sort of been that like the best, at least as of right now, that we can do is is just build uh, a, a culture and and build as positive of a culture as we can, and get all the buy in that we can, and then just sort of except you know that if if somebody you know is looking to transfer or whatever the case is, then you know something may have happened where they, they weren't completely bought in to that culture that, that we have. And, and that's a chance for us to maybe reflect on what that is and maybe what we're missing, or maybe is there just something that somebody else can provide that like we can't and, and trying not to take it personally. Cause I know it's hard for us, I think as coaches to not uh, take it personally, but I, I think if we don't, and we just in a way kind of accept that, you know, the, these is the way that things are, and this is how, you know, the choices that players have at their disposal these days. I think if we don't take that personally, I think it's going to save us maybe a lot of stress and a lot of like anxiety by, by just taking a more like level-headed approach to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. hard to do um, though. You know, <laughs> it's hard to do. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It definitely is because, you know, it just doesn't at this point, it, it doesn't seem like, at, like, you know, regular high school coaches are going to be able to see the prep school option as something that they're sending their kid to rather than something that's just stealing their kid away. Um, yeah, and, I guess, uh, I guess to what you yeah. said, it's kind of the way that you frame it, right? Like what, what is a prep school? If you look at it as like that bridge or almost like you said, an alternate to, to college and don't look at it as like a, a, another high school that they're going to, I think those are like two completely different perspectives. Yeah, the bridge is a is a better word for it. It's it's like a a temporary alternative, but yeah, it's it's more of a bridge is how I was trying to frame it to yeah. to these coaches. But yeah, but <laughs> that yeah. mixed bag of results with that, huh? No, yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of just no responses, but yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, yeah. I, I, I can, I can imagine, I can imagine that 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 that's that's really tough. So, uh, just a couple more questions here before we hit our concluding segment. A couple things I just kind of wanted to, wanted to pick your pick your brain about, and um, by being around, uh, you know, as many programs as you've been, and and seeing, uh, not not just a you know the team or individuals, but seeing the program as a whole. I know that we talk a lot as coaches about things like culture. And that's a, that's a big term that we use about, you know, teams that have a strong culture. Heck, I used the word culture like two minutes ago in one of my answers. So I wanted to ask you about, are you able to tell when you're looking at a, at a team and looking at a program and, and covering them? Can you, is it readily obvious which ones have like that really strong culture to them right away? Mm, that's a good question. Um, or, yeah, or is it I mean, one of those things where it's like, eh, you know, like it, it's basketball and, and they're out there playing, but it's maybe isn't like one of those things that like jumps off the page necessarily. I mean, it, there can definitely be a program where you walk in and you are like, yeah, this is serious. This is like mm -hmm. this. These are real. These are real recruits right here. Um, but there's also there there can be times where there's just one really good player on a team um, and, and they can, they can pop out and make a name for themselves. But 
But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would just go back to what I said before about just the seriousness of it. Um, if it feels like everybody there is 100% invested and, and like this is what they're in the place that they're in to be doing, um, that can be that can be beneficial and just telling that it's a it's a real program. And, and I think going back to the point that we just talked about, about like, you know, transfers and everything like that, if you have like that one player, right, who's, you know, work ethic and everything and the way that they take the game is at one level that's like completely separate from the rest of the team. It's almost like, yeah, that player probably is going to get swapped, snapped up by somebody else because what they need, like just isn't being provided for them and, you know, whatever that that current environment may be. Yeah, no, it's definitely true. And it's it's almost like high school is kind of mirroring what's going on in college right now is because it? you see guys that are successful at, at the low major or mid-major level and they're just always going to enter the transfer portal at this point. So uh, I don't know if that has any impact or mm. any, like, if it's causing any inspiration for, for what's going on in, in high school now too, but it definitely just seems like there's a lot more movement and with players and it's tough because, you know, I, I like to see players have more agency in their own, in their own careers, but at the same time, it just takes away the, the, the story element of it, of just sticking it out with, with the team <laughs> and, and going through it when it's, when it's tough, but then, you know, leading them to something better. And it's, it's, it's definitely tough to see less of that, but, but it is nice to, to see players just, you know, be able to make a move that's going to help their own career. Yeah. And, and kind of like, as we talked about, you know, a little bit earlier, like if everybody else is, you know, making the move that personally benefits them, it's kind of hard, I think, to be the player who's kind of trying to stick it out when you see everybody else kind of doing what, what's best for them. That, that, that That's a totally. hard thing to do, right? 100%. Yeah. yeah. And, and now too, I imagine like, you know, I, I, I didn't even really think about this until just now we, we talked about everything about, you know, the transfer portal and everything like that. I, I, I feel as if from what I've read, and and what I've seen that that it's also just so difficult for, um, you know, high school players in general just to get noticed because co coaches are looking at, you know, the transfer pool first and that I think it's even harder now than it's maybe has ever been for a high school player to even stand out um, before the whole, you know, transfer pool really took off. Yeah, no, 100 percent. It's it's tough. And a lot of mixed opinions about what's going on for sure yeah and i i imagine it, it, it i imagine it's kept you very busy in terms of uh reporting trying to keep up with everything that's happening i'm sure i'm sure there's just stuff happening i'm sure there was stuff happening seemingly like every every half hour every five minutes so to speak yeah it was so crazy i mean i i remember just you know checking in on verbal commits to see what the the latest updates were and then I started to realize like, oh, I'm, I'm, I just heard about these like three other things that they didn't even say yet. So maybe, maybe I should start being the one to, to put out the word here. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely kept me busy and it's, it's been kind of a, a fun little, little hobby to keep track of. Yeah. But, yeah. There's yeah. just so, so much, so much out there in terms of decisions, right. For, for, for players to make. And I, I just, you know, I, I just can't imagine what it must be like to, uh, you know, be be recruited in this day and age with so much out there and so much, so many things just just happening and social media and all that. And that I think, like, you know, just kind of going back to a point that I mentioned earlier, is like a coach to to really be somebody who's like a trusted support system for that player. Because man, the amount of information that these players are getting exposed to and the amount of stuff that's coming their way, uh, I mean, it would be overwhelming for me. Let alone, you know, a 15, 16, 17 year old player having to, you know, field all of this stuff happening right now. So having that coach there in their corner, I think is, is, is more important maybe now than ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It, it is very true. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of a coach's job is, is not the X's and O's, you know, yeah, it's all of the the program building, the relationships, the trust, all of that stuff. No, 100% agree. Uh, Coach, this has been great. There's a couple of questions that I ask every guest to wrap up. So I'm going to go ahead and ask uh, these ones to you right now, starting with uh, thinking back. Okay, so this could either be your coaching career or if you want, you can use your reporting career. Either one is fine. So I'll just say thinking back to your career, what what is a specific moment or a specific experience that you have gone through in your career that you think others listening would be able to learn from? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I would say, you know, 
during the period of time after Coach Hassan had left Darrow, um, and then when our other when the associate coach was sort of just taking a break, um, that that was when I was sort of the only coach there, and I was I was running practice, and and uh, I remember they uh, the kids had just sort of shown up and and had an attitude of just like oh it's only you know it's only coach o so we don't really need to bring our all today and i i sort of responded to that by being like okay i'll show them like that i can i can bring the same heat as as the other coaches and um i remember that that was just you know not the way i should have approached that so i don't know if there's I don't, i'm not sure what other people can learn from there but you know that was one thing that i learned from that was just you know there's you shouldn't change who you are to fill a different role. You know, you can always if you're whatever brings you to to being in a new role, you can still bring the same person that you are to to that position. Well, it's kind of like um, you got that position because of who you are. And then, you know, not to try and like change up who you are once you get the position or or think that they were hiring you to like be somebody else like what you did to get that position was like what they were looking for so like kind of like staying true to yourself sort of sort of thing yeah yeah well said that's that's for sure and uh i mean the only other thing i would say for that is uh that i learned from from mistakes i've made is just mm-hmm. um i would say like recruiting like for the for you your own team like it definitely requires a, a like a level of touch and and care that is you know often just not used by by coaches um because you know even going like going back to when i was a player i remember my recruiting process like i i remember just being so confused by everything i was so lost like i mm-hmm. really just if I didn't have my parents there to help me figure everything out, like it, it really would have been tough. So we're talking about now guys who are getting recruited to play high school. So they're even younger. And like, that's just, you know, I have to keep that in mind because it really is crazy to think about. Like you're, you're not, you're not negotiating with the kids. You're negotiating with their parents through them or just directly with their parents. That's, that's basically all that's really happening with that. And uh, you know, that's, that's just something that, is good to keep in mind um, because you know you have to just be careful what you're saying to to kids always. Yeah, it's yeah. No, I like I said, I I have I I think that to be recruited and in in this day and age and and to be recruiting also like it's just such a different world. I I, I can't even imagine what it will even look like. You know, five minutes five minutes from now, five months from now, five years from now, because even how it looked a couple of years ago is completely different than now. So I, I think we all, you know, as coaches definitely owe it to like stay on top of everything that's happening and, and helping our players, you know, either guide them through the process or find people who know what the process looks like now, because uh, I think information about recruiting and everything can get pretty out of date pretty quick these days. For sure. A hundred percent. Coach, to wrap up, I give every guest kind of what I call a, a 60-second soapbox, but uh, I'm not going to time you, so don't worry about uh, going, going over or anything like that. But it's 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 a final platform for you to kind of get out like a final idea, a final message, a closing thought, um, you know, just something that you want to leave the listeners with. You are welcome to take it in any direction that you wish. So I'm just going to kind of open up the floor to you, Coach, and uh, I'm going to let you just take it from here. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I touched on it a little bit, but mm-hmm. the biggest thing I would say that I hope people keep in mind is just that these are kids. They're not even college age. And, you know, if we can try to think back to when we were college age, we know that we weren't even really adults at that point. Um, so it's just, you know, it's, it's something you got to keep in mind because they're kids at the end of the day, you know, that doesn't mean you can't push them and that doesn't mean you shouldn't try to help them reach their full potential, but it's just something you got to keep in mind. It's just, you got to approach everything you do with care and an extra level of thought and, and you just got to be careful. That's really all it is. Um, And other than that, I mean, you know, I would just say the most important thing that, that I've found is just building relationships and, and just being there for the people that, need you to 
do whatever you need to do. It's, it's, I think it's hard sometimes to remember that they're kids, right? I think, I think sometimes I know I sometimes think of myself as almost like coaching adults sometimes when I'm out there, but then sometimes they'll do something and I'm like, oh, you're, you're only 15 years old. <laughs> you know, they have that like <laughs> moment or something. You're like, oh, you, you just acted like a, like a 15 year old right there. Oh, because you are 15. Yes. <laughs> so that's literally <laughs> exactly the thought that I've had. Yeah, like like it, it, it's, it's so crazy. I'm sure you've seen this too, where like you see the glimpses, right, of them as adults in the way that they act, the way that they carry themselves, and the next moment, it's like, oh, like you're a 16 year old. Okay, <laughs> like yeah, I, I, yep. I see it now. I remember that. So no, that, that's great, and I'm glad that you brought that up, uh, Coach Carlson. Mm -hmm. I really want to thank you for for coming on here, spending some time talking about, you know, your coaching experience, your reporting experience, the things that you've seen, and your unique perspective that you have having seen the game in, in, in such a different level than, than a lot of us have. And also about how that, that also translates into, into the great stuff that you're doing as a coach. So uh, I, I wish you the best of luck in both avenues as you continue your coaching journey, as your uh, re reporting journey takes whatever direction it may go into in the future. So best of luck with everything coach and, and, and hope everything just continues to go well with you. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me really appreciate what you're doing with this, this pod and uh Hope uh, hope everything's going well for you this season. Appreciate it, Coach. Appreciate all of you listening as well. Thank you so much. This was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. We will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.